Hello and welcome to 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you're listening to episode 19 with Kate Bingham and Bert. That's hyphenated for all of you non-hypheners. Uh, you might hear us refer to her as Kate Bingbert or KBB over the course of the episode. Bingabert, Bingamanbert, Bing. But her name is Bingabert. indeed Kate Bingham and Bert. And she is an amazing illustrator, uh, just a, a general artist, but done some really cool work. Most recently, she was doing the Chipotle Artist Series, where she illustrated yep. Judd Apatow's wars. And in general, she's just done such amazing, amazing stuff. She did this, like, uh, eight-year drawing-a-day project. Just a ton of commitment and, and a ton of talent and and what a really cool story to frame our topic against absolutely and a, really that eight-year project was the perfect project to frame our topic which was the project lifespan uh what does that mean it's exactly how long a project should last kind of the the genesis of a project and then knowing when that project's time has come in a way the different stages of project development, but most importantly, probably, is commitment, uh, seeing a project through, and what that looks like at every stage. Old Yeller's sick. We got to take him out back. You know, it, it's the time, right? The music sets in. Exactly. And, and that's what I love about life is that there's uh, always this cinematic orchestra playing. That happens for you, too, right? <laughs> it's, no, I think it's just... You should probably get that <clears throat> checked out. Uh, but speaking of a cinematic orchestra, God, yes. son of a bitch. Um, speaking of tools and and awesome resources and things that help us do our work, <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank the Vector Lab for for supporting us on on this episode of Ten Thousand Hours. And I can say from personal experience that the Vector Lab is awesome. And yes. It, yes. And and the basic premise of the Vector Lab is that um, they provide resources for designers to sort of speed up our workflow, to uh, kind of give us some frameworks to work around, and really just like take away the parts that we don't like, which are are just like time time consuming when we know what we want and and the steps to get there are just honestly wasting our energy so i i i highly recommend downloading some of the resources from from the vector lab a lot of the stuff i use are like uh for example like t-shirt mock-up templates yeah um hoodie mock-up templates you know apparel mock-up templates in general but also there's some really cool um one thing that i've liked especially out of them um and ray specifically you know who, who runs it is is the the typography templates and I, I deal with a lot of Photoshop templates that will give me 3D effects and these sort of things, but not a lot of Illustrator uh, files are going to be doing that same thing. This is way harder, and it, it's just, like, non-existent. And I personally, like I've said before, I work in Illustrator more than anything because I think it's a more flexible platform, and I, I think for, for the most part, like, the context is better. So I'm, I'm using the hell out of those which is so good. Um, 
So I, I would definitely head over there and, and just check out the templates. He has a free download every week, which is super cool. Even if that's all you do, I think that's great. It's already worth it at that point. Yeah, but I mean, if you do find some of those um, resources valuable, use the the code 10KHRS, 10KHRS to get 10% off. And and I would recommend them to anybody, well, to designers. I mean, really, to designers. Designers especially, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just just like any of the products we're talking about. So, uh, yeah, thanks to the Vector Lab and, and thanks to, honestly, just the work they're doing in providing those resources because they save us time, energy, and, and you know, they're pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, they enable us to be more creative. Thanks to them. And thanks to you, listeners. Enjoy episode 19 with Kate Bigenman burt something my grandfather used to say which was uh when the internet's fucking up just you know quit it and start the program again <laughs> so my great as uh, my grandfather yeah. he's a sweet it's man. on his tombstone actually <laughs> Your 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 great great grandfather would always say. Yeah, and it did it did say that on his uh, tombstone. Fucking internet. Oh. Okay, so Vince, do you just want to get us rocking? Um, do you want to strum the chord of the show? Hey, that was a new one. Uh, and just tell me yes. what you're what you're working on, what you put your time into. Yeah. Uh, well. It's not what I've been wholly putting my time into, but I do want to mention this because it's a kind of like a unique, like a weird part of my job that's not really in the job description. So today I was doing research on how to make a paper mache thing, like a pinata, basically. Like, how do you make a pinata? And, you know, there's not really an authoritative source as far as I can tell. It's kind of like all over the place. So this is for a, a client of ours that are that's having like a, a birthday party. It's like an anniversary celebration, and so we're throwing the party for them. And one of the ideas we had is for a, a pinata, and unfortunately they don't have the budget nor the arts and crafts team to make it themselves. So we would have to do it. And uh, never before have I looked up how to make a, a paper mache pinata of a of a growler. But uh, that was my that was my afternoon today. Wow. So you're are you going to be constructing the pinata yourself? I think that's the idea. Yeah, I think we will be actually physically making it. I don't know if I'll be involved in that. I'm not the most crafty person, but uh, someone on the Yamamoto staff, I think, will be involved. Wow. I'm really <laughs> yeah, excited to very, see. Very weird. I It might not go anywhere, but we'll see. Um, hey, Grant. Hey, What are you working on? Uh, you know, today I was jamming. I just finished up a tattoo design for somebody, which I'm super excited about. It's uh, oh. like a Harry Potter inspired. Oh, Deathly no Hollow symbol, a little stag in there, Patronus. <laughs> Pretty goofy, but uh, that just got approved, so done with that. Super fun. And then jamming on some scripts, you know, that screenplay format. Very sexy. Jealous. Very nice. Um, yeah. But actually, some of the some of what the, the tattoo inspiration, what I was channeling, was, uh, was some inspiration I'd pulled. You know, you look to these really good illustrators and these designers, and you think, oh, you know, maybe I'll pull a little bit from here, pull a little bit from here. And one of those is, and I hope she corrects me if I'm wrong in pronouncing her name. <clears throat> uh, Kate, is it Kate Bingaman Burt? 
Yeah, it's Bingham and Burt. Bingham yeah. and Burt. Oh, not man. Flawless, man. Not flawless. bad. No. Yeah. <laughs> and Kate Kate is an uh, illustrator, works with a range of clients uh, coming to us from Portland where she's teaching over at Portland State. You know, you've done some cool stuff, given a TEDx Portland talk, Creative Mornings talk. You just, Recently worked with Chipotle. Yeah, what a cool project, right? Uh, uh, you were doing some, some words for Judd, am I right? I was, yeah. It was actually, uh, it was a pretty good pair up. So since I'm a huge Freaks and Geeks fan, oh I, was, God, so I was pretty happy to be given his story. So yeah, I, I couldn't say no to that project. Definitely. So basically um, you'll hook us up with Judd, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> that's why we had you on. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. If you want someone to, he at tweeted me and that's about the extent of our relationship <laughs> Dude, so far. That's so. as good as it gets. <laughs> you know, it's real. You know, it's real then. But, I have a nerdy um, tip for Vince regarding oh. paper mache. Wow. I know that we're kind of backing up a little bit. No, but, please. Um, I'm all ears. I've actually, I've actually dabbled quite a bit in the dark arts of paper mache <laughs> and um, you want to do stay flow fabric softener. That's Stay really not messy software. at all, and it gives the best hold, and it dries really nicely. Oh, my so, God. You might anyway. have just saved my life. It's and Stay Flow, S-T-A-Y-F-L-O. We will show Stay notes flow. that as well for our listeners. And uh, this episode sponsored by Stay Flow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, it's great no, to have real, you, No, but for real, for real. Like, you is... don't want to be messing with glue or flour or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. This is super people... clean, and it's I really s- good. I saw so, that. People one of my very flour. first graphic designs projects when I was in school actually involved me paper machine a giant avocado costume so um <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah that's I know awesome. it's pretty cool right that's an awesome tip uh I will I'll keep that in mind going forward and I'll look really smart when I bring it up to everyone at work uh so thanks for that uh Kate allow me the honor to ask, what have you been working on recently? Oh my gosh. Well, this is actually the first week of my summer because Ooh. I just finished up with school and um, I actually just became tenured. So I'm a tenured Damn. assistant wow. professor at Portland State University. And um, this is this is actually this is the, the first week of where I'm consistently back in the studio again. And I probably took on too many projects Classic. because I was overzealous in the fact that I was actually going to be sitting at my drawing table for longer than 45 minutes at a time. <laughs> so um, I'm working on some editorial stuff. I've got a magazine in Japan that I'm doing some stuff in, a magazine in the Netherlands, and then I'm doing one out of Detroit. So I'm just... Kind just of everywhere. It off with Kate, a, with international tenured Bingham and uh, Burt, they call her. Wow. <laughs> but um, and then I've got a, and then I've got a show that's coming up in April, in August, and uh, the international illustration conference Icon is going to be coming mm, to Portland cool. in July, and I'm on a panel for that, and I'm going to be showing some work, and so I should probably start thinking about that too. So I've got. Lots of stuff I'm working on. It's good. So it seems like you've got uh, like boundless energy. Um, Limitless. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> defying uh, conventional standards of time and productivity. And um, I think when when we're talking about productivity and time and energy, a lot of what we end up talking about is the projects we take on, the work we're doing. And that's sort of the lens we're looking at today's episode through, which is uh, the project lifespan. Yes. And, and I'd love to hear your take on that. You know, 
obviously you have a lot of projects going on. And so you have to be intentional and smart about the projects you're taking on. You probably have to you balance have to, time, money, all these, right? Absolutely. You have to enter with a game plan. You have to kind of know or have at least a vision for how long a project will go on for mm-hmm. before you even start it. And so this has always been interesting to me because as someone who doesn't really know how long projects should last or sometimes I get into a project and I don't have like a, an end in sight and sometimes that's okay. But I think what we're talking about today is kind of just everything that surrounds the project lifespan. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you could kick us off just by talking about your daily purchase drawings, which is that project, of course, that lasted for eight years. Did we get that right? Yeah. Eight? It's about the yeah. time it took to make Memento, actually. Oh, the great movie. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> it blows my mind. But so I guess if you could just give people who aren't familiar um, a little bit of background, like what started that and then kind of how that evolved. I can't imagine you were thinking when you started, oh, you know, I'll probably do this for eight years and then I'll be done. <laughs> like, Yeah. Well, um, that's actually, that's one of the, my, that's, one, have, that's been one of my more recent projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, I've been doing either daily projects that kind of ta- talks about the themes, different themes of consumption and personal consumption for the last 12 or 13 years. Oh. And the very, very, very first kind of, um, I don't know, automated rule-based project that I undertook actually had to do with photography and just looking. And I was trying to figure out more like the history behind people's objects, essentially. And I didn't really have a very structured way of looking or or researching. And so I set up a couple different rules, rule structures for myself just so I could kind of kick off this process of thinking. And um, so like every, every Tuesday I would go to Target and I would photograph Target shoppers and I would talk to them about what they were purchasing. And then every Thursday I would go to different thrift stores and I would photograph and, and document people and what they were buying. And then on Saturdays, I would go to yard sales and I would interview <laughs> people who were throwing the yard sales and people that were buying things from the yard sales about the stuff that they were purchasing and what they were going to do with it. And I did that, those photo series for a couple months, and it still wasn't really yielding yielding the things that I was looking mm-hmm. for. And so that's when I first started what I call obsessive consumption was when I uh, photo documented everything that I purchased for 28 months. And that, that was, that was in the early two thousands when I first started that project. And at first it wasn't going to be a web-based project. It was just going to be me photographing all of the um, items that I was purchasing and then printing off the photographs and saving the receipts and archiving them in glassine envelopes and date stamping and just writing. Sounds like hoarder behavior. (laughs) No, but it was really organized hoarder behavior. But um, I still did all of that. But then I, um, but then I also decided to upload everything and share this online too. And that was um, in that project lasted from 2002 to 2004, mm-hmm. and um, and then from that project I started documenting and drawing all my credit card statements, and I drew all my credit card statements until they were paid off. And that project took about six years, but I did that, and it was actually while I was doing the hand-drawn credit card statements is when I started my daily drawing project, mm-hmm. and. Um, I, cause I didn't really, I didn't really feel comfortable drawing. That's why I chose the medium of, uh, drawing 
was for this credit card statement project because it was essentially kind of a punishment for myself. Like, you know, writing, I will not talk Masochist. in the class yeah. over and over and over again. The classroom, I decided that I was going to just use my kind of unconfident hand to draw all of these credit card statements out. And also at that point, um, I mean, no one could mistake my drawing for a computer or a machine. <laughs> and essentially all these yep. credit card statements were filled with just kind of these impersonal machine generated statements of doom and gloom and guilt. <laughs> right. And I was, I was kind of internalizing all of that and handwriting everything out and no one could mistake these drawings for anything that was made by a machine. They're made by me. But, um, I actually discovered that I liked making marks and I liked drawing type. And, um, so that's when I decided that I was going to draw something that I, um, purchased every single day and share it online and share it. So in, where in were you sharing forms. it? Where were you sharing um, it online? Like at that point, um, it was on, this was in 2006. So I was sharing it on Flickr uh -huh. and I was sharing it on, I think it was like a tight pad blog tight or pad, something sure, like sure, that. Yeah. Um, and then I also started zine subscriptions too, and, and people could purchase the drawings if they wanted to. It was really important that they live online and then they also have, you know, a, a physical form that, you know, they, they're an object. Yeah. So, and I thought at the point, at that point, I'm like, I could do this forever. This is great. But, um, and it was great. It was really wonderful. Mm -hmm. uh, it, 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 it made me an accidental illustrator. Honestly, I was just doing this project because I was, just, I liked the documentation. I, I, mm -hmm. it was a visual diary for me. I liked, I liked sharing these images and I liked the connections that were made from people that I knew and people that I didn't know. And, um, and about a year after sharing these drawings online, uh, art directors started contacting me, wanting me to do my daily drawing style for their assignments. And so in 2007, I started this accidental freelance career and that's, that's kind of, <laughs> I know it's, kind it's, of it, there wasn't career. a couple books came from it. And, uh, like I couldn't, again, you're talking about project lifespan. Like I thought that this would just be something fun to do for a little while. I had no idea where it was going to go. All my projects never really start on a special day, like January 1st, you know, they just kind mm -hmm. of start whenever I feel like they need to start and they, end when I feel like they need to end. And, um, I never really, I never really can predict the scope of, of things, sure. but, um, the daily drawing project has yielded a lot of other projects and a lot of really great experiences that I could have never have predicted, but, um, it's, it's, it's been definitely really, really wonderful. And I'm really thankful for that project for yeah. sure. Well, I mean, you, you saw it through. I mean, that's talk about commitment, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially in like a, a attention starved uh, society right now. Like the commitment to see something through for that long is yeah. like very impressive. It's rare too. Uh, Repetition's so a powerful thing, you know. It really is. Like it's it's. I don't know. I, I that's 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 definitely something that I took away from this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's in the ethos of, I mean, we don't argue the 10,000 hour rule as a, you know, as, as a hard and fast line. No, but, but mm -hmm. I mean, part of that is to say the only way to be a master at anything, the only way to get good at things is to consistently put in your time over and over and over. Yep. Right. Um, and I think you fit that ethos. You've illustrated that point perfectly. Oh, if I may. <laughs> if I may. It's so terrible. Um, so it sounds like you have a lot of 
history with these long-term projects. Absolutely. Uh, and you mentioned that you don't really know it ends when it's time to end, which I think is completely fair. Maybe it's the only way you can describe it. But can you maybe like tell us if you can what it feels like to know that it's time for a project to end? Is it like satisfaction? Is it fulfillment? Is it just fatigue? What exactly do you feel like when it's time for one of these long projects to come to a sunset? That's a really good question. Um, with the daily drawing project, it was one of those things where it wasn't like it was dominating a lot of time during my day because, again, it would take anywhere from a half hour to, you know, 40 minutes, sometimes sure. less to do this every day. Um, but I felt like it was taking up a lot of um, just kind of I just I just I told myself that if I just I wasn't necessarily interested in the consumption, the consuming part of it anymore. Um, and I kind of. I kind of wanted, I felt like maybe I was getting a little bit too pigeonholed into doing daily drawings, um, mm -hmm. which again, on one hand, that's a good thing. Like it's, it's nice to be known for something, which is really cool. Yeah. But on the other hand, I, I just, I found myself wanting to do these other ideas and these other projects and not that I wouldn't have time to also do those things, but um I felt like I needed to kind of just mentally quit that project in order to begin some other projects. Yeah. And um, this was actually the first time that I have quit a long-term project without immediately starting another, mm -hmm. another one. So, but I've got plans and I've, I've it's going to happen this <laughs> summer. It's also the first enough. time that I've quit a project where I'm, I've also been teaching full time too and doing a lots of other freelance projects. <laughs> oh, <man. as> well. <laughs> Boundless energy, like we said. So actually maybe this is something that you could illuminate for us and for, for the listeners in general is like, you seem incredibly motivated and self-starter, self-motivated. What, like what is it for you that really gets you excited or, or what is it that helps you sustain energy in these things? And, and I guess, is there something that people can take away if they're looking for a project or looking for something to start and get excited maybe, about? Yeah. Maybe looking for one of these long-term projects themselves. Like how do you stay energized throughout the entire process? I think, I think it's, I think the difficult part is finding something that you can really feel like it's truly your voice. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I sometimes see people start projects that are kind of molds of what other people have already done. Mm -hmm. And it's really tough to sustain interest if you are just kind of doing something that somebody else has already done. Mm -hmm. So the hard thing is really figuring out like what, what, is what is your story? What's your point of view? How are you going to execute this in a unique way? How can this really be yours? And, and I think when those things kind of fall into place, then there's that kind of care and motivation that happens mm -hmm. in order to, you want to maintain that, you want to see that through because it's really yours. And I feel like that's such a special and unique thing um, these days, especially with just so many people are doing so many amazing things. So many amazing things. And it's, sometimes it's just really overwhelming to see the amount of imagery and the amount of output that is out there. Mm -hmm. You're kind of like, well, where's, where's my place in all of this? Mm -hmm. how, how, do I, how do I fit into here? And I think a lot of it is just kind of really thinking about what it is that you want to make and really thinking about, you know, you, you're a unique person mm -hmm. 
your point of view, like what is your point of view and how do you articulate that and what's the best way to execute that? Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of a lot of, it's, it's a lot of, um, oh, there's some pre-planning involved, definitely. Mm-hmm. But like I, I did one shorter project just recently that where I was drawing other people's plants. Nice. And um, <laughs> I did that for that. I knew that was going to be a shorter one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still have a lot of people that still want me to draw their plants, but I'm done. <laughs> I have a poem here that would look so good in your illustration. <laughs> no, okay. So, but what I'm hearing there is is something we talk about every show, pretty much. Yep. Um, shamelessly, which is self awareness. Yeah. And and I mean, and maybe you can talk a little bit about what helped you kind of find your voice and find yourself. But the other thing there is is motivation and. It seems like, like for example, with your daily purchase stuff, with your credit card stuff, you started doing those projects not for other people. You started no. doing them for yourself, and then you know right. you gained an audience, and and I think that probably helped motivate you to continue in some way. But like the motivation was from self. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I feel especially with the credit card project, there was a it was it was a level of uncomfortableness and then also a level of accountability too that's one of the reasons why i made it public that project could have been really easy to have just not done mm-hmm. because yeah. i didn't want to talk about how much i was in debt and but the thing is is if i didn't talk about it i would just keep ignoring it yeah. and so there was there was a level of um like i really like my motivation to get this done is to be out of debt and mm-hmm. i have to have this uh, basically do a, a pinky swear with, <laughs> with the, the, the universe that I'm going to get this done. Um, but by telling people that I'm doing it, mm-hmm. yep. because it would have been really easy to just not have told anybody. <laughs> yeah, we, t- we talked about that on like episode one, wasn't it Vince? Yeah, for sure. We talked about the different ways of accountability. And if you're a person who tells people first and allows that to kind of motivate you through accountability, or if you're someone that does the thing and doesn't tell people till afterwards and holds yourself accountable. Mm. And I think I definitely fall into the former. And we've talked about this before where I, I would feel the same way if I'm starting a project, I like to tell people about it right away and get it out there and kind of expose the project so that I'm kind of forced to do it because it's just easy in a lot of ways to, uh, at some point ignore it well and, and i'm on the other camp sort of where like i will start projects and i'll wait till a little bit further along in development um before i start showing them to people but i do show like my inner circle pretty yep. quickly and so i guess there's a question for you is do you have a group of people sort of a trusted inner circle or, or people i mean i know you're working at is it uh, what do you call it studio is it 254 Oh, it's, that's just, yeah, I work, I'm in a studio. Right, right, like in the physical yeah. space with them. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah. I meant. But like, are, you know, are those people resources or do you go to people for feedback beyond just the general internet or like for accountability or for for other things? Oh, I definitely, I, I def- definitely, I mean, there's definitely, uh, there's the Kate that's on the internet and then there's the Kate that's in real life. And <laughs> I definitely, I definitely have, um, a good inner circle of people. And it's actually, I've got that I went to graduate school with. Um, they were this kind of core, core circle of really amazing women that um, I consult with quite a bit whenever, you know, and we all do like we meet up with each other about once or twice a year. And we just talk about, we talk about our work and we talk about what we want to do. And we talk about our frustrations and we talk about, 
our successes and we talk about how I want to keep moving forward mm -hmm. and how, you know, different ideas, it's definitely a good safe space. Like those type, those type of conversations would never just kind of go on Twitter and those yeah. type of conversations yep. would never go on a blog. Those conversations go into the, the circle of trust, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> the inner but sanctum. I know definitely like when I was, when I was planning trying to think about whether i was going to quit this project or not it took me a couple months mm -hmm. really of just like talking with you know that group of women talking with my uh close friends here in portland um about whether i should do it whether i should do it or not and um so I, my question then is, you know, when I'm thinking about about that, I, I like to think of myself as the same way where if I say I'm going to do something like I deliver on it and it's like, you know, it's something about me that people can count on and rely on. Right. But I will say, like, sometimes that attitude has caused me like a fair amount of stress. You know, that's a lot of late nights, a lot of other things. Um, and, you know, I think you get better at sort of setting expectations, but um, like for you, has that ever been an issue where you've overpromised, uh, like your time? Yeah. And, and I guess like, is oh, all the time. Yeah. So, <laughs> so is there a balance there or is that just like, yeah? how do you learn to, to strike a balance? I mean, I think, I think, uh, I still haven't learned how to strike a balance. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, I think I probably, I, I probably do things a little smarter now than I did a couple of years ago, but it's still, I mean, it's still, it's still a constant challenge. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I love saying yes to things. And, um, but I'd also hate to be the person who loves saying no to things. Like I, I like, I like, I like saying yes. I think yes is a great word, but sometimes yes can also be a really dangerous word too. It certainly so, can. Yeah. It's a double edged sword if there ever was one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So as far as uh, projects and projects, uh, <coughs> projects, 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 and projects, and you know, projects. No, as far as things you're doing right now, like, uh, you're you're doing the teaching, you're doing all these things. Like, what what are the lenses you're looking at um, projects from? Like either a financial standpoint or from like a client standpoint. Like, just how do you how do you determine whether it's something you want to do or whether like yeah, is there like a cost benefit analysis yeah, thing? You do you do or like, do you go based on feel for the most part? How much... You flip a coin. Right. Is there... How much is you choosing the project Ouija and how much board. is the project choosing you? <laughs> you guys are... You're cutting out on me a little bit. I'm sorry. Well, the basic question was, do you use a Ouija board to decide which projects <laughs> to do? I feel like I sometimes do. <laughs> well, it sounds like you follow your gut a lot. I do follow my gut a lot. And a, a lot of times, like, my students are always asking, they have these various, like these questions about like, how much should I charge an hour? How much should each project cost? And I'm, when you're talking about financial wise, it's, it's just, it's, there's a, there's a lot, it's such a gray area because sometimes, sometimes you take on a project because it's actually content material that you want to do and you charge mm -hmm. less for that is you have to really evaluate what it is that you want to do and what you're going to be getting out of it. And, um, and I think that's the lens that I take a lot of stuff on through as well, because, you know, there's, there's some, there's, it's, it's hard to decide, but it's definitely, I think, especially with some of the illustration projects, it's just kind of rehashing the same thing over and over again. Um, I'm going to be a little bit more apt to say no, that's just the freelance side of it. Um, but as far as like, like I do a lot of, um, volunteer yeah. work too within Portland. And I find that to be really important. I really love the design community here and, um, I find one of the things that I've also um, discovered 
from being a teacher at Portland State University is that um, part of another part of my creative practices is is developing workshops and developing lecture series and developing sure. events and and really seeing how students can become engaged on that level too and and I've been spending a lot of time with that and I've been really enjoying it because I feel like that's such a huge part of of what I do now too and I would have never have thought of that as being part of a, you know a way to be creative but it totally mm. is and yeah. so I don't know it's like I and then the speaking kind of came into it too. Yeah. Like I, it's just, there's, it's, it's, I don't know I love, I love drawing, but there's, there's been a lot of other things again, that's come right. out of drawing that I could have never anticipated. Yeah. Um, so it is, it's, there's, I, I, I feel really lucky in that there's, I, I get a lot of propositions that are actually really like, yeah, I want to do that. And then I'm just like, Oh crap, <laughs> how am I going to do that? <laughs> but, uh... right. Oh, it's a great moment. Well, th hey, thank you for taking the time to talk with us then. I mean, I know. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> uh, it's, it's great. I mean, and I, it seems to be like a theme through your work and through all the stuff you're doing, though, is like having these conversations, giving back to people and sort of inspiring, I think, a lot of work beyond yourself, which is pretty cool. So thank you for being generous with that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of conversations. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, I just I think it's also one of those things, one of those things, too, where like it's with to, I just, I just, I, I say yes to a lot of things because I worry that one day people, <laughs> people aren't going to be asking me to do things. Uh, and yeah. so I'm like, when is, when's that going to stop? And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to say yes. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, we talk about yeah. that a lot here though, too. It's like, we're talking about like balance and work life and stuff. And it's just like, you know what? No, like just keep going. Like I did dive so, into as many things as possible. That's dangerous though. It is dangerous, but mm -hmm. I'd, I'd rather be, I think on the dangerous end of things and then play the too wild and too safe. Yeah. I think. Oh a, my goodness. Yeah. I, I would, I, I never want to be bored. So seriously. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if you ever run out of stuff, just hit me up. <laughs> yeah. I got some projects. Yeah, for sure. So you were about to segue the hell out of us, Vince. I, I just could hear to, it in your voice. You were I was about segue. to in initiate the clumsiest segue yeah. on a history of clumsy segues. Uh, but we were talking about conversations. We were. And talking about interactions. Interactions, sure. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and something we read on your website. On your website. Kate is that among your dozens and maybe even hundreds Thousands. of clients, talents, projects, you listed high fives. Yeah, yeah, under your services <laughs> offered, something like that, right? Um, <laughs> everything with a smile and then something like high fives and LOLs. <laughs> yes, yeah, I think like that's that. on there. And so every week we do an off-topic topic, which is basically just a little conversation we use to break up the discourse. And so this week we're talking about handshakes, we don't really have a formal question, no blueprint. We're just talking high fives, greetings, and your thoughts, Kate. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of my most favorite animated gifts. Can we talk about animated oh, gifts? Oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is a gift-free show, actually. <laughs> we have strong stance <laughs> no, on that. No, it's a perfect. It's perfect. One it. of my favorite animated gifts is Tina Fey giving herself a high five. <laughs> yes. And I feel a like classic. that's the story of my life a lot of times. It's like, okay, I'm just going to give myself a high five. And so it's yep. like, it's, I don't know, like that's, I think that's probably 
like with the whole high five thing, it's a little bit sarcastic because I'm just like, sure, high fives, whatever. Give me a high five. I'll give myself a high yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. I don't high care. fives all around. <laughs> I usually end like awesome. when I when I make an agenda for like a meeting or something, I usually end it with like high fives. Yeah. Just yeah. good vibes. It's just, just good yeah. vibes. Let's, let's end like, the meeting with a high greeting. Five. Some like... people hate high fives and I'm mm. I'm totally fine with that absolutely fine with that i actually probably don't give many high fives but we're talking about like the hypothetical high five we're talking about it in like the abstract the idea what it represents yeah i honestly i don't better than a chest bump i'm not yeah yeah yeah, i would say so uh but where does it fall against a bump Uh, i'm 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 anti-bumping over here okay i'm like that's such a bro thing to do. Bump, fist bump. Come on. Oh, no, he meant booty bumps. bump. So we're from Minnesota. <laughs> and I bump asses exclusively. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> we no, just okay. kind of back it up. <laughs> no, that's a great. I mean, a great moment in TV high five history. Tina Fey high fiving herself. Oh, amazing! Just a, cl- a classic. And like, it's supposed to be like sort of like defeatist to her, right? It's supposed oh, to be totally. kind of like her making fun of herself but in a way it's like empowering right it's like you should be able to high five yourself she no was... that's what i love about it so much it's like that whole like defeatist slash like oh whatever oh oh wait it's kind of empowering I don't <laughs> right, know, like, exactly I, I like i like all the levels that are happening in that three second <laughs> a great high five we'll yeah. show notes that we'll put that in we'll there for the definitely link it they deserve Excellent. it. <laughs> Grant, where do you stand on the five? Uh, five is pretty lame. I mean, it's it's cool, like I said. like I, it, Digitally, I love the idea of a digital high five. In real life, I'm really not high-fiving people. I would maybe – I'd be much occasion. more likely to do not even a bump, but maybe like a very – probably either a hug or like some variation of like a sort of a hand slap into See, like a pull, into like maybe some – some funny stuff there and that's where i think the high five has really evolved Mm -hmm. like you don't Mm -hmm. really even see the high five anymore for better or except when it's not done very well and then again (laughs) that's where it's like it just becomes like sad but kind of sweet and then you have to do it again and then you're actually touching this person way more than you had ever anticipated i don't know like it's just something that i really has it has it ever devolved into just like making out with the other person (laughs) that's for sure me a few times right i I think that's happened you overcompensated we we fucked up the high five and then we just start kissing you miss you miss again then one of you goes for a bump the other one goes for a hug and then you're just rolling around on the floor and then we were dating for eight or nine months afterwards It's a beautiful start to a relationship. And a baby was made. Yes. <laughs> baby high five. Uh, no, I'm in the same boat. I don't give out many high fives, but when I do, oh. they, uh, they're always like the high five to a hand clasp, to a bring it in, to a hug. So like there's many mm. layers. Is it's it like, still a high five at that point? See, it's tough to say. Like when does a boat become a different boat? Like when you move one piece to the next piece, right? That yeah, that classic, that classic boat transformation metaphor. <laughs> right. <laughs> Put any, Everyone's put familiar with high five, right? Oh yeah, mm. we're a big fan of uh, lots of clapping over in the graphic design uh, school. Uh, you just clap, even even when it's like really awkward and doesn't need to happen. We just do lots of clapping, <laughs> lots, of clapping lots of slow like, clapping. I love. See, that's clapping. what the thing. I love design kids. Like they're oh, amazing. They're, great. they're, they're seriously great. like screw everyone else ever. Not actually, <laughs> but I just love. I love design kids. Um, that's awesome question so kate how would like <laughs> let's say we did meet in person how would we greet each other um let me think yeah, it's just Should good to like, like get there's <laughs> i i'm a big fan of like 
like given a good handshake and then usually like I'll either like take the other hand or like pat on the shoulder or something like that. All I right. don't immediately go into for a hug. Uh-huh. I know a lot of people much? do or like immediate huggers. Um, but I, I'm a little bit more reserved in my hugs. I respect that. I That's mean, totally yeah. on point. There, uh, yeah, some people are frankly a little too loose with their hugs. Yeah. The hug means nothing yeah. if you see him I mean, hug a thousand I, I will, people. I will definitely sometimes do that, but it's it's I've if got the to, vibes I've are right. To, no, exactly. yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's just like the first date, you know. Yeah. I think something we if can I've all had, agree like, on. A lot of emails or something, and I've like no, like I feel. But if it's just the first time I met somebody, you're gonna get if a, a handshake. If a gif has a... been exchanged, if there's, yeah. you know, <laughs> I like is the plus or minus ten tweets. How many have we sent back and forth? Exactly. Is there are but there any can... DMs involved? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can almost always guarantee a pretty big smile, which is very sincere oh, and a oh, good handshake. Yeah, that's great. So. Well, hey, you. That's win. the most important thing about all this, right? And I think we can all agree, hugs better than handshake or better than high fives. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hey, but actually that's a, that's an interesting when you're, you're saying like always a smile and that does seem to be your just like positive vibe here. Um, when we're talking about projects and the project lifespan and, and just this general happiness, do you feel like a really happy person? And like, does that, is that part of kind of what keeps you just rolling through and making stuff and like moving forward? And, and then I guess maybe how do you, how do you sort of, deal like you just seem like a super happy person so i'd almost just assume you're happy all the time right but you're probably not happy all the time right Doesn't, i know i is. always i describe myself as the most optimistic pessimist you'll ever meet probably <laughs> like just good I'm, vibes and cynicism just like no mixed it's true together. it's like it's a good combination of those like i i will i will give everybody the benefit of the doubt but i'm always like making I'm, I'm i'm just like seeing i'm just looking ahead and just kind of analyzing the situation i'm you know, thinking about all the things that could possibly go wrong and hoping <laughs> yep, that they don't yep. go wrong and just it's like it's a it's a balance between that i do i feel like i'm a really optimistic person that's also looking for all the pitfalls mm. so um but it's you know i i like it i do i feel like i'm a very enthusiastic person i'm a very happy person but um i'm also a very realistic person uh, and I, I feel like you've got to have that, you've got to have that balance. Um, right. again, I like, like I will always like with my students too, I will always, I will always give them the benefit of the doubt unless they've screwed me over a couple of times. And then and I'm that, kind of like, eh, then you're out. now you're done. Third time. Right? So. <laughs> you fool me once. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I do. I don't know. I, I, I fall into this trap every time we're talking about anything. I always bring it back to self-awareness, but it just seems like that's what it is. And that's what, like you start with your, your self-awareness, you figure out who you are. And you're making all these decisions and it's pretty easy to move forward because you're just referencing like that core of who you are and what makes you happy and you just move forward with that. And then it's like you have all these things and because you're aware, you, it like allows you to be empathetic and look at things from different perspectives and be aware of people and their motivations. But you're just like moving forward because you're doing you. You need both pessimism and optimism to like really stick it out on these lawn projects because you'll get overloaded Can we call it either the, way. How do you pronounce it? Oribus? Oribus? I don't know what that is. You're talking about it's like the mythical snake creature that's eating its own tail. Oh, I, it's like that is the balance of cynicism and positivity, where you just continually eat your own tail. Do over you know and over this thing, circle. Kate? Because I never heard of this thing before. She's probably no, she's illustrated it. I'm sure. Oh yeah, lots of times, lots of times. Right, so, Kate, this has been an awesome conversation. I mean, we just hit on a lot of things that we haven't talked about on the show before, which I think is important. A lot of things we have. Uh, what we like to do to wrap our shows up is a section we call Last Thoughts. Basically, we ask our guests two questions. Okay. Uh, w- one is, how can our listeners support you? 
And two is if you wanted them to take one thing away from the episode, what would that be? So support you, like that could be URLs, that could be, you Taking know. Taking an action, whatever. Okay, well, I can I can say this one way that uh, if listeners do want to support me, I would love it if they could check out Portland State Graphic Design Program. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and one of the For things sure. we're always – we're always trying to figure out ways to raise money and to try to like gain awareness for a lot of the program activity that we're doing. And we actually just started, uh, we just started a quarterly print series called good editions and the website is getgoodeditions.com. And we have right different on. prints available, um, from people like Dan Casero and Lisa Condon oh, and Will yeah. Bryant, along cool. with people that they actually curated from our students, different illustrations there too. And that's a really easy way to support the students at Portland state graphic design. Um, so that's a very Great. kind of odd is... self-serving way, but it's for my students. No, not at all. <laughs> that's the point of it. And, and is Adam, I think Garcia, right. Is, is he adjunct over there he with is, you? He is an adjunct over at Portland state. It's really, I have to say it's, it's so much fun, so much fun, uh, teaching design at Portland state and building a program at Portland state within this community. So badass. There's just, I mean, we were able, like we've got so many amazing adjuncts like Adam Garcia, like Will Bryant, um, like, uh, and Will's amazing by the way. Like I love following his stuff. It's so fun. Actually, you guys remind me a lot of each other. Just like that, just like infectious, like fun. He was my student (laughs) at Mississippi state. Oh, no way. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) That's really cool. Yeah. I've, I've known him since he was 19 years old. He was my student at my very first job that I had at a school. Yeah, and his desk is currently right behind mine. We've been sharing spaces for a very long time. So, Oh, that's too good. Yeah, so that's keeping out here to go to grad school. It was all good. But, um, yeah, and Josh Josh Kenyon from Jolby and Friends teaches. Jolby, those guys are amazing too. I think I'm coming out there. I'm doing a little bit of a West Coast tour recording some shows and and meeting up with some clients and people like end of july i think and i'll be in portland for a few days i would love oh, cool. to meet up with you maybe as yeah, well. i'll be here cool classic and i gotta say that was one of the least self-serving how yeah, do you get support? Out of here. yeah that was nothing <laughs> We're just we're going to be doing a lot more with that with that uh, with good additions and we're going to be doing some kind of more like in IRL oh, yeah. programming about design and business and that's going to be happening too and so it's it's going to be more than just about so buying prints I think buying prints is cool but we're going to add it's just beginning so we're going to be adding more levels to that and mm. it's again like one of the things that I feel like the that students ask the most whether it's my students or whether it's students that I talk to whenever I travel. Um, is they want to know more about business, the business side of design. And I feel like everyone who's also in design wants yeah. to know more about the business side of design because guess what? A lot of us don't know a yeah. lot about business. And we're learning this as we... And it's becoming so relevant ex- too, though, just exactly, like the way exactly. design is interacting with, yeah, with things. Yeah, absolutely. And the cool thing is, I mean, I think from a design perspective, like designers really have... Not in a not in like a egotistical or like too intensive a way, but like designers have a lot of power, I think, in the new economy and in the way things are made and and collaborations. It's like it's a really cool time, I think, to be a creative and to be a designer. And so those conversations are super important. Absolutely. And it's important that that 
these conversations that we have be smart and be informed yeah. and actually be able to be executed. Yeah. Um, and so that's, I, I feel like, I feel like that's a really important of design education, whether mm -hmm. you're a student or whether you're still, you know, you're a lifelong learner, which is what I like totally. to consider myself to be because <laughs> wow, I sure, sure. There's a lot, there's a lot to learn. So <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, well, I mean, that sounds pretty like a good sum up if I've ever heard of it, but is there any like sort of one last thing you'd want our listeners to take away from your time on the show? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the whole thing uh, about starting, it's a it's a very it's a very scary thing to make work and then put it out for people to, to see. And I just I, I feel like I feel like um, doing that is, is, is a pretty, is a pretty, uh, is a pretty like, you know, strong, brave thing to do. And so you want to be, you want to be really considering what it is that you're making and, and making sure that it's definitely something that comes from you and isn't, isn't from somebody else basically. So, but I mean, and then I think to jump, to jump from there, it's like, you know, making stuff for yourself and, and I think where, we're talking about self-awareness, which is where a lot of the projects come from. We're talking about like that self-confidence and voice and where a lot of that comes from is not, not just like failing often, which is kind of cliche, but like doing enough projects and seeing enough projects through to a certain yeah. point where you, you have a better sense of yourself. You have a better sense of how a project goes and, and you get that kind of that Kate BB uh, <laughs> gut intuition feel of a project. And it's less about specific cost benefit. It's, it's more of like, Oh, my intuition is telling me like I should keep doing this because I'm right. doing because this feels right. Or, or I'm getting a benefit here and I'm, I'm going to keep going. We're going to wrap up. And so I have to say thanks again for your time today and for all your insights. It's been a lot of fun. I know I speak for Grant when I say it was a great episode and thank you Kate for joining us today. Thank you. Could you so actually, could you just ship me? it? So at the end of every episode, we, you know, we like to ship it and we just kind of end on a ship it. Could you give us a, a Kate Bingbert ship it? I just say ship it. Yeah. Like that. Like that. Probably. <laughs> you got it. Perfect. Ship it. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. Thanks Kate. Thank God, you very much. You are. And I would love, I would love for whenever you come to Portland, uh, shoot me an email for sure. and, um, we'll, we'll meet up. Okay. Yeah. It sounds great. I'll be in and touch. We'll talk, we'll talk longer. Totally. Totally. And there'll probably be less delay and fuzz. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thank you. Okay. So this has been awesome. Hey, you're the best. See you. Okay. Ship it. Ship it.